17, I just wanted to talk tonight about one of our absolutely fundamental beliefs in this fellowship, and that is healing. Hence, Andy getting four or five good, solid testimonies about how the Lord has worked in people's lives. Um, just in Jeremiah 17 and verse 14, just one verse here, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. It's sort of encapsulated in the middle of this, in this book, just this one little sentence here that, that states that when God heals, he heals thoroughly. He, he heals wholly. He doesn't leave any part undone. He doesn't do a 90% job. When he saves, he does it wholly. He does it thoroughly. Every little bit will be purged out that needs to be purged out. And God, God will give us that fresh start that we, we so desire in our lives. When people come along and they've got these this stuff that's happened in their lives, just all this stuff and it's mess, it's stuff, stuff that's built up after years, stuff that they wish didn't happen in their lives. And then to know that there is a God out there and to know that there is a God that can heal and give a full healing, not a partial healing, but really set the captive free, that is what is encapsulated in this verse here. Heal me, O Lord, thoroughly save me, because that is the God that we believe in. Um, let's go to a little story in Exodus Chapter 15. Tamara's testimony reminded me of a little testimony of my own. Well, it's probably a big one. Um, when I, I was probably 10 or 12, just so just a young young lad, and I seemed to be having some sicknesses myself. It was very much similar to yours, Tamara. And um, I went to the doctor, and I ended up getting um, a, an A4 page split down the middle, so two columns, and then you turn it around. A split down the middle, um, and two columns on that side of stuff I was allergic to. And the main ones that I remember were also potato and chocolate and stuff like that. And um, I said to the guy when I was leaving, I was only 10 or 12, I said, God, he was the doctor and he was at the reception counter and I was about to go out to the car and I said, oh, it'll be all right, my God will heal me. And I'll never forget that guy's face. It was before I, I, I didn't know about resistance at that age or about what people thought of things back then. I just thought, well, my God's going to heal me. And I said that to him, and, and God gave a victory as well. You know, simple faith is we can get, things can get in our headspace, but there's nothing quite like simple faith just between you and me, God. And when a challenge comes along, let's see what the challenge brings. There's a little story here in Exodus 15. If you go to verse 22, so Moses... <clears throat> Moses became the man to uh, get the people out of captivity and lead the people away, and they've been through the Red Sea. Um, and at this time, they're free in one sense, but they're, they're becoming trapped again in their own minds and their own thoughts. In verse 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made them for a statue and an ordinance, and he proved them. And there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and, and will do that which is right and in sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. 
And they came to Elam, which were twelve wells of water, and three scores and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. There's a story here. So they, they were in bondage, they've been set free, they're following Moses, they're three days, they're parched, and they're going, all right, Moses, this is a little bit beyond a joke. I'm thirsty, I'm human, I need some liquid. What is going on? There's, there's two aspects with this story. It's the bitter waters were made the better waters. The one aspect of this is why in the world is this story even in here? Why would God, if God is so amazing, powerful, why would God let these people go into this circumstance to suffer for three days? In turn, they're just going to complain about their leader who's meant to be giving them this new life. Why would he make them go through all that? Only to lead them to bitter water. And, and what's with the circumstance? Moses gets a branch from a tree, trucks in the water, the, the waters go from better to bitter. No, they go from bitter to better. I mean, what is with all that? I've got faith in God, I'm walking behind Moses, we're meant to be free again. And now, and now my leader's chucking a branch into the, into the water and everything's turned. What is, what is with this? You know, three days of suffering and sometimes suffering in our life. Suffering can sometimes bring appreciation. And, and we often ask, when the healing is not coming or the provision is not coming or something is not coming as we see it should be coming up in here, in our, in our own mind, when we, when we see it as not coming, the Lord is not de delivering. Our leader, our God is not there for us. There's two things. One is why, and sometimes we, we actually just can't answer the, answer the question why. And that is life. Talks in, talks in Matthew about, um, I won't go down that track actually, but sometimes we can't answer why. But on other occasions, when we suffer and then we get the healing, then we appreciate but if we didn't suffer, would we appreciate as humans? Sort of not in our nature. We seem to have this ability to complain a lot easier than to, than to be thankful. And it's just, it's, it's a part of human nature. A lot of people have, um, maybe the other aspect of this is, it's just the word bitter. But I think it's an imperative word these days is that people, people have a lot going on in their lives these days. Life is, um, has got a lot more complications. This world throws uh, all sorts, a variety of things against people these days. When people have rough childhoods, they, they go through different things and people can build up a bitterness within them. And all of a sudden, they're sort of floating around with this well of bitterness inside of us. God says through this story that bitter can be made better and that it's never too late, and that if we've been suffering for a while, that he will bring us out of it. But we just need to keep walking, and we just need to keep holding that faith. And God does make the bitter better. He makes all things better. Let's go to Luke 8. In Luke chapter 8, disciples are following Jesus. They're about to they're about to go see a man that uh, had some serious disease. Well, he had some serious issues that Christ was going to heal. In verse 22, there's just a little story here. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. 
But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. There's wording in this verse 25 that fascinates me. So they're going on this, this adventure, they're crossing from one side to the other, big storm comes, I've been in this situation myself, it is highly uncomfortable um, when you're not sure how it's going to end up in, when you're in the middle of the ocean. Has anyone else ever been in a circumstance like that? It's not cool. Um, and you feel hugely unsettled. And, and they're in this predicament. And there's Jesus at the end of the boat, fast asleep, just chilled. Meanwhile, there's a storm raging around them. They wake him up. Jesus calms the waters. Again, you could, you could go down the track of why. Why did you let this happen to us? But the wording in verse 25 is what fascinates me. And he said unto them, where is your faith? He challenges them assertively, but he doesn't say, you have no faith. He doesn't say, you are hopeless. He says, where is it? It sort of, in this assertive manner, insinuates like a misplaced item. Where, where, where have you put it? Is it to your left? Have you checked your pockets? Have you left it at the front of the boat? Maybe go grab it. Like before marriage, I would not lose a thing. Now in my life, I lose my keys, my wallet, my phone, my, my sense. Um, just constantly. I found my wallet a little while ago out near the front tap after a year of it being there. And it had 20 bucks in it. Yeah. And Angie did not get that 20 bucks. <laughs> like, like a misplaced item, Christ is saying here, where is your faith? You have it. It is in you. It is with you. Or maybe it is just to your left. Maybe it is somewhere. But I, I just love this fact that he's not saying, mate, you are hopeless. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's not saying that. He's just saying, you need to just try and find it again. It's there. It's at your fingertips. Luke chapter 10. I'm a bit of a fan of um, balance in life. Um, one of my favorite verses is in Job 31 where um, I might just try and quote it maybe. It's probably, a, it's probably a bit of an unseen verse, but it's a little one. In Job 31, Job has been just through, you know what? He had a lot gone his way. He had a lot for him and with him. It was all taken away. He went through stuff that we would find, we'd probably kill over and faint. It was just a multitude of stuff didn't go his way. In Job 31, he's had his friends coming around and they're just sitting there for seven days. They're not talking to him. It was like this quiet grieving period and then they start giving advice and the advice is pretty ordinary. And Job has to come back to the fact that at the end of the day, it's just between he and God. That's all it is, he and God. And he comes back to that fact. And Job 31 verse 6 is a very, very minute verse, but it just says, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. You know, life will revolve around us. and uh, will re revolve around us. People, uh, you may become conscious of what people think of you and your actions and whatever, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, 
God knows where we stand with him and he knows our integrity. And that's what Job is saying here is that, Lord, you know what I've gone through. You know what I've suffered. You know what my future's going to be. Let me be weighed in an even balance. The, the three friends that I thought were friends are hopeless and they've got no idea about judging me in this situation. But you know balance. And with the thought of balance in mind, I remember after Dad passed away, I was uh, sort of young. Uh, I was in my teens when Dad passed away and it was just a challenging time because here I am on one hand believing in God um, that does miracles. And by the way, the title of my talk was uh, should have been more clear. It's not just healing. It's the multi-layered look at healing. Um, uh, on one hand, um, God is there and he's doing all these sorts of things and then um, someone very close to me has passed away. And so I was just dealing with uh, these challenges in my mind and stuff at the time and I tripped over a verse. Um, in fact... Let's go to 2 Timothy. I know we didn't read Luke 10. We'll go back to it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Again, it's just a little verse. You probably would skim over it and not, not read too deeply into it. But in verse 19, this is Paul to Timothy. Salute Priscilla and Aquila. In verse 19 of 2 Timothy 4, salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And verse 20, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Militum sick. I just picked up on this little verse here and I thought, hang on, hang on, hang on. Who is this Trophimus fella? What's going on here? If he's walking with Paul, um, if he's walking side by side with Paul, then would he not be um, a man of God and everything in his life going perfectly well and nothing going to the side? But yet, here he is, and he, and he did walk with Paul in life, but here he is, he's sick. He's not healed, he's sick. And um, it was just a little thing that I picked up that I realized that... The, um, let's go back to Luke 10, so I get this point right, rather than it being an opinion. In Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in, the, in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Suddenly a new maturity, I'm, I've got a long way to go to be mature, but a, a, a new maturity came to me, and it was the realization that maybe, maybe we do get healed instantly. We do get healed Sometimes after a while, sometimes we may not get healed, but ultimately, ultimately, the pinnacle verse on this subject, the pinnacle verse is in Luke 10, verse 20, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If there is an ultimate healing, if there is one that is a cut above the rest, that is absolutely first layer, it is the fact that our names are written in heaven. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what we stand and believe in? That is our number one. And, and I rejoice in those four or five testimonies. I rejoice in the different healings that um, I've had in my life and I've seen the ones around us. And I rejoice in the fact that I'm surrounded by a family where this is a fundamental belief. But at the end of the day, 
people, the ultimate healing is the healing of the soul. If you go just finishing up here, the Good Samaritan, it just says here, we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, but it just says in verse 30 here, um, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The story goes on there. There were three, three different sorts of people that went, um, well, that saw the situation. It was the third guy, the Samaritan, and that's a story in itself that, in theory, in theory, the Samaritan should have been the last person, but he was the one to help out here. But I believe that what's happened here is that there were three people involved. The first two people saw it as it's written here. At the end of verse 30, it says, leaving him half dead. They walked past this guy. In fact, they avoided this guy. They walked on the other side of the road because they believed that he was half dead. The Samaritan, who then later becomes, because of his good deed, becomes the good Samaritan. He wasn't necessarily just the good Samaritan, by the way. He was just a Samaritan. But he became a good Samaritan because he picked this guy up. He put him on his donkey, took him to the hotel, motel, and gave him some money. All that sort of thing. He believed in something different. He believed that the man was half alive. If he didn't believe that, why would have he bothered? He saw opportunity in this moment. He saw something that could happen. The other two, half dead, written off, don't care. I'm going to keep moving on with my religious beliefs and the way I look and the way people think about me is the most important thing in life. You can read it for yourself. But the Good Samaritan is the guy that saw the difference. The Good Samaritan is the one that had the perspective. And just in finishing, folk, if we're talking about healing, I don't want to make this subject just about us. I believe that we need to have the perspective that the Good Samaritan had. That when we're on the highways and the byways and someone has been robbed in their life and they have had their waters that should have been better, they were turned bitter during their life, that, they, that we know a God that can turn their waters back to better. In fact, he can turn their waters back to overflowing. That the God that we believe in will see things half alive, as we will, not half dead, because our God is fully alive, we read in Jeremiah 17, verse 14. That is the selfless act that we need to keep following. That is the ultimate healing that we should believe in. All the people said, Amen. Amen.